Okay, welcome everybody to Talking Donkey International in our new television series, Country Wisdom. Let's set the tone for this new series of ours. It's found in Proverbs 4. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and then all your ways will be sure. Join us now for Country Wisdom. You sure were right about that view. And we're not even quite at the top. Yeah, beautiful, isn't it? How high up are we? Oh, a little over 6,000 feet elevation. Wow. And how far is it over to those mountains? Uh, about as far as you can see. <laughs> I don't know how far, long ways. Man. Long ways. You know, there are a lot of people who would give anything to have that clear a view of their life, of the future. I've found that I keep running into people uh, at my hairdressers, in the grocery store, uh, parents of kids at the school where I work that are concerned about the future. Things just aren't as stable as they used to be. They look at the economy. They're worried about their jobs. You open a newspaper or look on the internet and it's always bad news something more, another country that's unstable, another country that's declaring war or on the brink of it. Uh, we've got diseases that are brand new and others that we thought were under control, but now antibiotic, antibiotics are resistant to them. Just every day, it seems like there's something new to worry about. And people who have never really thought about the future, not seriously, are beginning to question where is the world going? Uh, they want to know because That's a good question. it's like they don't have a firm foundation. Everything is shaking around them, just starting, and they know that we're on the brink of something, something bad. And they're starting to worry. They're starting to really pay attention to signs around them and bringing the subject up with me and going, you know, what do you think is going on? And I know that God's in control. I know that God has the future, but I'm not always sure how to tell them, how to convince someone else. Maybe let's sit down and I'll give you a, a little bit of an idea of a study that it just blew my mind the first time I heard it because it, it lays out kind of the beginning to the end. It'll give a lot of courage to a lot of folks. Well, sitting sounds like a good idea yeah, to me. Yeah, really, really. So here is the situation, like I said a minute ago, that just really, when I read this, when it was explained to me, I just went, wow, you know, this talk about the God of the universe who can see the, the end from the beginning. You know, he steps in and out of time. He can see it all. And he laid out here an amazing dream. Now, I think what happened, it's, it's in the kingdom of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's only been in the his reign about two years, but he's a mighty king. He's captured everybody, including everybody at Jerusalem. He's uh, made them subjects and uh, on and on and on. But the situation, he's one night sleeping, but sleep kind of passes him a little bit, but he has this dream, you know, kind of how you're, 
you're just about ready to you wake up, but you're not awake and you're kind of going. He has this amazing dream that just he goes, wow. He wakes up. The dream is totally gone from him. He can't remember it anymore at all. He calls in all the astrologers, all the soothsayers, the magicians, all the, all the ones, the prognosticators, you know, you name it. He's got them in his court. Because he knew that his dream had been important. Yeah. But he couldn't remember any of the details. Couldn't remember it, yeah. So he calls all these guys in and says, tell me the dream. You, you tell me the dream. And they're going, King, <laughs> you understand what you're saying? Nobody but the gods can tell you the dream. Now, they didn't know how right they really were, but they begin revealing themselves about what charlatans they are. You know, says, King, finally, you tell us what your dream was and we'll give you the interpretation. Oh, come on. There are people today that do that. A lot of people put stock in dreams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And anyway, he, he starts now, he's getting mad. He's getting madder and madder because he finally sees that these guys who've been leading him all along are a bunch of quacks and frauds and fakes. And they're living on the king's dole, you know? <laughs> and anyway, he said, look, if you guys can't tell me by tomorrow, off with your heads. Yeah, that's it. So what kind of men were these that Nebuchadnezzar had there in the room with him? All of his big top advisors that advised him about all the things of the kingdom. And they couldn't tell him a thing about this dream. So now the decree is out. If by tomorrow I don't know this dream, you're all dead. Off with your heads. And the, the king's big man goes out and he tells Daniel, who was actually a Hebrew, who believed in the true God, and his friends, he goes and tells them, this is the situation, guys, I'm sorry, because he'd become friends with these guys. He, he saw the kind of character they were and the temperament. And he goes out and tells them, and Daniel says, please, ask, ask the king for just a little bit more time, just a little more time. Because they would be killed even though they hadn't had a chance. They hadn't had a crack at interpreting the dream themselves. Yeah, exactly. And so anyway, he's, Daniel and his friends, what's the first thing they do? Pray. Boy, they begin to pray. This is a, this is a prayer meeting night for sure, because if they, it doesn't happen the next day, they're dead too. So they begin praying and praying, and God, the God of heaven, who Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are friends with, he answers their prayer. So here's what Daniel did when he came before the king. In verse 27 of chapter 2, he says, He answered in the presence of the king, The secret which the king has demanded, cannot the wise men answer, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers? None of these guys can answer this because this is only from God. God is the only one who can see the future. These guys claim to, but they can't. Then he says, But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets and make known to King Nebuchadnezzar what's going to happen. So it's interesting. He could have taken all the glory to himself because here's the king. He's, he knows the answer to the king's question. He could have gotten all the gold, everything, because the king had promised all this to everybody. But he said, no, no, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. No credit to himself, all to God. And then he begins laying it out. But as for me, the secret is not revealed to me by any wisdom I have. And then he goes on and begins to lay things out here. O king, you saw and behold a great image. This great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee and the form thereof was terrible. In other words, it was magnificent, it was mighty. It was, it was huge and I can, I can just see the king on the throne sitting forward on the throne saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just picturing the same thing. I can picture him there going, yes, yes, that's it. It's all coming back to me. Tell me more. I just saw that, yeah. This image, the head was of fine gold, 
his breast and arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet of part iron and part clay. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands and smote the feet of the iron and clay and break them all to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken in pieces together and became like the chafe on the summer threshing floor. In other words, when you've got grain on the floor, they would stamp it and then they'd toss it up and all the chafe would blow away and just the grain would be left. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream and we will tell the interpretation thereof king. So the king is saying, yeah, that's it, that's it. Daniel, you got it, you got it. And all those other wise men were going, phew, go Daniel. <laughs> because Daniel took care of it, so there's no death decree for all the, all the fakes and the cheaters and everything else. It's so interesting that God loves everybody, even the fakes and the cheaters and those that, because he's always hoping that some way, somehow, they'll hear that still small voice and come to him. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. If it was me sometimes, it'd pee off your head, man. You, you tried to fake the king out, you know, but no, no. God is always there to try and help, try and woo and try and call, you know. Anyway, he continues on now. The king's on the edge of his throne because Daniel says, now let me tell you the interpretation. So it goes on and after these shall, well, excuse me, um, thou king, in verse 37, thou king art the king of kings, and strength, whatsoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven have given into thy hand, thou hast made thee ruler over them all. God recognizes, I've made him ruler over everything. You are the head of gold. Wow, I'm the head of gold. You know, now the king's sitting straight up. <laughs> Buttons are breaking, he's puffing out. And he says, then he goes on in the fourth, the, into the next kingdom, a kingdom of silver inferior to you, but there's going to be another kingdom after you. Now, if Daniel was a fake and he just wanted the money, he would never tell the king, there's going to be another kingdom after you. Right. He wouldn't have bothered to explain the rest of the statue. Exactly. You don't do that to a king, you know? He stopped there, everything would have been roses for him. But he continues on. Then king, there's a third kingdom. That's a kingdom of brass. Then a fourth kingdom of iron. And a fourth kingdom, you know, the king now is going, what, you know? And then he goes on and he continues on about that stone cut out without hands that strikes this image at the base and grinds it all to powder. But Daniel continues on and he talks also in later chapters, Nebuchadnezzar is the head of gold. The silver is the Medes and the Persians. It was, the, you know, you picture the statue, folded arms, all silver. The Medes and the Persians weren't as strong as Nebuchadnezzar was. They were a dual kingdom, both arms. And then a kingdom still inferior yet, but a brass. Who was that kingdom? Alexander the Great. Everything Alexander made, his whole army had brass weapons and brass um, shields and everything else like that. But then there's a fourth kingdom, a kingdom of iron. We can look in history, what, what kingdom was that? I think it's Rome. Iron monarchy of Rome, we know. Iron monarchy of Rome, yeah. So here you've got this fourth kingdom and it, man, it tears up every other kingdom and it, it rules with a fist of iron. It is strong, but as with every kingdom, it began to break up as well into the 10 toes of this statue, down in the toes. And Daniel says there's, the toes are part iron and part clay. Iron and clay don't mix. The two don't mix. Now, 
if you look at history, we come all the way down to, to the Iron Moniker, Monarchy of Rome, then you get into these feet of iron and clay, and Europe, all the kings tried to do what they married. Back and forth, you, you've got their charts in Europe that talk about the marriage. I mean, everybody was related to everybody in the kingdoms because they all wanted to try and fortify and press together, but it couldn't happen because God said it wouldn't happen. It, it just wasn't going to happen. Just like iron doesn't mix with clay and clay doesn't mix with iron, they kept marrying and marrying and marrying, but it just didn't happen. Queen Victoria is even known as the grandmother of Europe because she was putting all of her children and grandchildren, marrying them off to heads of state because her idea was that everyone would be related, but it still didn't make them cohesive. You know, here's the thing. You, you look at all these kingdoms. God pronounced this thousands and thousands of years ago, exactly what was going to happen. He laid it out perfectly. And then you look at the kingdom. We can go to our history books and we can compare and we can find out, yes, exactly as God said it would happen. There's other places we can go and we can find out. Uh, God talked with Cyrus 200 years before Cyrus was born of the Medes and the Persian Empire. He said, oh, Cyrus, you're going to be a great man. You're going to go in through the, the leaved gates, the leaved gates of Babylon. He predicted this man 200 years before he was born, how he's going to take over Babylon, how they're going to conquer it. And I've had the great opportunity to be in the museum and see the Cyrus Cylinder that talks about some of these things. God is always right. God is never wrong. God lays out history just perfectly. Through the Medes, the Persians, Alexander the Great, the, the Iron Monarchy of Rome. You go to, uh, when they were breaking up, you know, Cassander, Lysimachus, uh, Seleucus, and Ptolemy, the, the four generals that, that broke up and split up into Europe and then the, uh, the canceling out of some of the kingdoms, it's all there. All we have to do is be open to God's word and say, there really is a God. You know, and that's what, when you're talking about with these people, you know, if, if you could just lead them to a point to say, I'll give it a try. You know, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll look at it and see if it doesn't prove to be true. You know, that's the thing. It, it is true. It's, I mean, would that give somebody hope, do you think, a chapter like this? I would think so because when you see that in Scripture, God already knew exactly what kingdom would follow which one, and you can see exactly where we are in history, where we are in the world. You can understand what's going on and feel more secure. Yeah. Now get this. What's the last thing to happen here? It's that stone cut out without hands. In other words, it's not a men's devising at all. And it's Jesus Christ, the mighty stone that comes down, smites the earth, grinds all the kingdoms to powder and sets up his own kingdom. That's where we are right now. You want to know where we are in the span of time in Earth's history? We're right down on the toes of iron and clay. We've, we've gone through all the rest of Earth's history. We've, we've gone through it all and we're right there, right at the very end of time. I have a little pamphlet here called Hope in Troubled Times. I don't know about you, but the times we're living in seem pretty troubled to me. If I didn't have the hope Jesus gives me, I couldn't get out of bed some mornings. Hope in Troubled Times is meant for that kind of morning. Inside its pages, you'll find promises of hope straight from the Bible. 
Go to TalkingDonkeyInternational.org and request offer number 129, Hope in Troubled Times. I've had the opportunity to travel and film in many countries of the world. You see, I hate doing the same old thing, filming in a studio. No, that's boring. Maybe cheap, but who wants to watch? Very few people. I've found that people love programs that take the viewer outside, into the field. They like programs that take the viewer on a journey. That's what Talking Donkey International does. Our team decided it was time to create, innovate, and produce programs that go beyond the cookie-cutter approach to television production. The Lord's returning very soon. We need to act like it and work like it. That's why I'm committed. That's why Talking Donkey International is committed to doing all we can for as many as we can for as long as we can in new, creative, and exciting ways. Please partner with us today. Your prayers and financial support are needed to take this ministry around the world. here is even better. When we were down lower, I could see all of those peaks, but I couldn't even see those snowy ones over there. Couldn't see all that clear off mountain after <laughs> no, mountain. Over. No, yeah. Oh, man. You know, I was talking about uh, from down lower, it was that vista was open, and I had mentioned how many people can't clearly see what's going to happen in the future. But I'm glad you reminded me about Daniel and that vision. I knew that story, but I never thought of using it when somebody's going, boy, can you believe what's happening in the world today? That, I think, is just a more concrete way of showing God knows it all. He sees everything, even if we don't think we can see it. Yeah, now, you know, part of the problem is, is it, you, you may lay it out to people, but it's their choice whether they believe it or not. I mean, True. I think about, well, in Daniel 2, in, in verse 43, it says, uh, they shall not mingle themselves with the seed of men. They shall not cleave one to another. Speaking of the, the toes of iron and clay and things. But this prophecy has been out there, you know, for thousands of years. If Charlemagne had paid attention to it, if, if uh, you know, Charles V and, and Napoleon and Hitler, of all things, if they had read Daniel 2 and understood it, they would have there, known they had a lost cause. Yeah, there wouldn't have been any reason because they say, we can't unite Europe. It isn't going to happen because why? God says it. <laughs> and if God says it, it isn't going to happen. Because God simply goes out of time, looks the future, and sees, and comes back and lays it all out for us. It's very simple, you know, but they didn't want to see it. They didn't want to follow it. You know, when you mentioned the toenails of time, I'd never thought about that. I had heard about the, you know, legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay mixed. But you said, we're in the toenails of time. And that was such a vivid picture. But it also occurred to me that knowing that we're in the toenails of time can be terrifying, for some people at least. Yeah, I, I've heard many people that, well, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And the thing is, you know, God lays this out, and the only other thing to happen is Christ coming. I mean, we've got everything else. If there's other prophecies that we can lay it out and say, Wow, we are right at the very end of time. Regardless of what man or woman says, we're at the end of time, prophecy bears it out. Now the question is, yeah, should you be scared? Well, 
Maybe if you stood on the outside of the ark, <laughs> you know, when, when, when Noah called everybody into the ark, get into the ark of safety because this prophecy says this is going to happen. There's going to be a good flood. And those that stayed out, big problem. But God made the ark big enough for anybody who wanted to come in, there could be salvation. And that's the key here. God says, I want everybody to be saved. I want nobody to be lost. I want you to come in. You know, Jesus, when he stood out over the edge looking over Jerusalem, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't do it. Think about that. A mother hen gathers her chicks. God, one of his titles is El Shaddai, the mighty breasted one. He, he portrays himself that as the mother who wants to gather the children in. God wants to gather us. He wants to take us to himself. That's what it's all about. So instead of being terrifying, it's actually comforting to know what's going to happen yes. and that he has it all under control. Yeah, there's no need if we, you know, basically let it drive us to the mother hen to, to get under his wings of comfort and safety. And, and when he comes, we can look up and say, lo, this is my God. I waited for him. I'm Jim Ayer. My good friend Terry Cantrell and I have traveled the world together, filming from Egypt to Zanzibar, from Costa Rica to Brazil, India, and beyond. For years, we've captured stories that uplift the God of heaven, stories that touch and change lives. Now we're on a new adventure, and you're invited. We've started Talking Donkey International. Talking Donkey is a media ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ in a unique and powerful way, out of the ordinary, just like a talking donkey. Like us, I'm guessing you're tired of the same old cookie-cutter programs that line the Christian airwaves. The gospel is exciting. It's time to jump out of the mold and let the donkey talk. When that happens, people will pay attention. It's way out of the ordinary, and we're inviting you to become a part of this exciting and innovative outreach to the world. People are tired of watching the same old thing. Become a financial partner with us today, and together, we will change Christian TV forever. Give the donkey a voice. I have a little pamphlet here called Hope in Troubled Times. I don't know about you, but the times we're living in seem pretty troubled to me. If I didn't have the hope Jesus gives me, I couldn't get out of bed some mornings. Hope in Troubled Times is meant for that kind of morning. Inside its pages, you'll find promises of hope straight from the Bible. Go to TalkingDonkeyInternational.org and request offer number 129, Hope in Troubled Times. Yes, oh baby, oh baby, yeah. Oh. You want some food, huh? Okay, come on, come on, have some food. Hello, Janice. Hey there. Did you have dinner before we got back here at the ranch? It's not quite done, which means you've got time to finish that story you started up on the mountain. Hey, I do. I do. Well, let's just get started because I don't have much time. I've got to do some other ranch chores. But uh, here's the situation. At the end of Daniel 2, remember the king was the head of gold. But in chapter 3, the king thinks, hey, I ought to be the whole statue, man. So he builds out on the plain of Dura, he builds this 90-foot statue, all of gold. 
and he calls all of his leadership from everywhere around. And he says, hey, this is the situation, guys. When the music plays, you're gonna bow down basically and worship me, worship the king. And of course, boy, that'll smoke, you know. Once in a while it's great, once in a while it's not. But uh, it's a terrible situation, but all the, all the leadership in the king's court are rooting for it because they don't like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at all. You know, they're, they're a foreign nation, but the king brought them in as part of his leadership team, and they don't like that. So they've created this whole thing behind the scenes in order to destroy these guys. So the situation is all set. Across that plain, there's thousands of leaders called from maybe all over the world. And we don't know where Daniel is for some reason. It's like God kept Daniel totally away from this scene. But here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on this big plane that day. And the king said, look, I'm going to play the music, all the, all the different musical instruments, and when those are played, it's time to bow down. And so that's the, that's the whole scene now all set up. The three guys are there, and they're listening, and they're watching, and they're kind of, I'm sure, talking amongst themselves of what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, it's time. The Hebrews stood on that plane that day. They'd heated the furnace up, and anybody who didn't bow was going to be thrown into it. Well, the music began to play. The Hebrews, they just stood there. They didn't bow. Everybody on that vast plane bowed the knee to Nebuchadnezzar, to his gods. As they stood there, pretty soon people began to whisper, began to talk. They're not bowing. They're not bowing. Got back to the king. The king hauled them before him. And he said, what, what are you doing? Now, you must have misunderstood this whole situation, fellows. When the music plays, you're supposed to bow. I'll give you another chance. No, no, King, doesn't matter how many chances you give, we're not going to bow to you. Not going to bow to the gods of gold and silver, all these things. We represent the God of heaven. Well, at that moment, that just inflamed and infuriated the King. He said, heat, heat the fire seven times hotter, heat it more. <laughs> it was amazing what happened. The guards came over, he said, throw them in. The guards got over there. It was so hot, the guards couldn't get anywhere near. It actually killed the guards. They became crispy critters. But the Hebrews are in that fire. They're standing in there, and Nebuchadnezzar is looking. He said, what? How many guys did we throw in that furnace? Three, king. Look, I'm counting four, four in there, and the one is like the son of God. Fellas, come on out. And the Hebrews come out. Their clothes aren't burned. They don't smell like smoke. They, they're nothing harmed about them at all, not the hairs of their head. <laughs> they say, oh, king, live forever. King, we worship the God of heaven. I believe you. I, too, will worship the God of heaven. Totally changed his tone and his tenor because Jesus stood in that fire with his children. Friends, maybe you've got fires in your life. Maybe you've got troubles in your life. You've got situations that just tear you apart. Let me tell you, call upon Jesus. He will draw near to you. He'll walk through the flames with you. He'll, he'll turn life around for you. And perchance, if he doesn't in this life, he's got the next life for you. See, Jesus didn't create you for time. <laughs> he created you for eternity. This life is just so tiny, so minuscule, but he's got forever ready for you. Choose Jesus today. He will change everything, believe me.
Hey, thanks for joining us for Country Wisdom. See you next time.